Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the Coriolis Rules by Free League Publishing. This actual play is performed by adults and contains adult themes. Strong language, powerful factions, and adventures across the third horizon await. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., which may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Thank you for joining us again another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your storyteller, Soatella Mike, and I am back with our Coriolis crew. So at the top of the show, we'd like to thank you, the listener, and especially you, the Patreon supporter. Uh, if you've not had a chance to check out what we have to offer, you can at patreon.com slash the Old Ways Podcast. We are over on YouTube, and I would love to see you subscribe to the show there, as there will likely be portions of this show in the future, which may in fact be visual. But before we get over to cast introductions, I will remind you, my pronouns are he, him, or... And now, introductions to my right. This is Morgan. I play Captain Amara Kasra. My pronouns and Amara's pronouns are she, her. And we have a ship, and we're on our way. Indeed you do. You're on your way, debt and all. And to Captain Amara's right. Hi, this is Allie, and I am playing Kainat Gala. Both of our pronouns are she, her. I've got new tech, and I'm excited for this next mission. Wonderful. At the end of the table. Hi, I'm John. My pronouns are he, him, and I'll be playing Fida, our reliable mechanic, whose pronouns are also he, him. Wonderful. And... Hi, this is Rena, and my pronouns are they, them. I am playing Tamaris Ganvari, our courtesan. Their pronouns are also they, them. And I'm going on an adventure. Now, last but most certainly not least. Hi, I am Rosie, she, her, of Odd Duck Dice. Today, I am playing Icarus, also she, her, who is the pilot of our crew, who at the end of last episode said goodbye to everything she knew and is hurtling through space. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. At least part of it does. So, Captain, I'm going to start with you this session, just sort of as the black curtain of space arrives again. Space around the planet Kua and Coriolis are slipping further and further now into the background as you are hurtling towards the trade portal, which leads from this section here on Kua to the next position on your map which is Awas. So you are heading to the Sandel route, but you've got to get to Awas first, and that means that you have to hit the portal outside Kua and figure out what the jump time is. So part of the way this is going to work, for those of you who are new to Coriolis and new to the setting, there are, roughly speaking, 36 planets in the entirety of the Third Horizon. Those 36 planets are some distance away from one another, but those distances can be shortened by the use of portal technology that will allow a ship to pass through almost instantaneously from one section of space to another. They do this by going to a portal station and having the portal station workers there calculate when the best time for the arrival at the location they want to go to arrives. So they sort of do really, really complex math in these buildings that are built near portals as these portals themselves are technically invisible portions of space. 
they don't exist in the visual sense. So there is no big light up like there would be in, say, Stargate, or there is no Gamma Quad or Delta Quadrant portal wormhole like there would be in DS9. So visually speaking, it's an invisible field in space and ships get near it and then get calculated and told after they pay the fee, of course, to travel through the portal. There are, of course, stories of ship's captains deciding to wing it and go through the portals on their own and hopefully come out on the other side at the right space in the right time. But I'm sure that Captain Kazra is not going to be so flippant or wild with her um, pilot uh, instructions. There is some workup, Captain, that you'll need to do beforehand. You need to, to communicate with the portal building here on the Kua side to get essentially paid, prepared, and aligned, right? And then beyond that, you're going to need to give those instructions to Icarus, who will have to make a piloting role to align you properly. I will reach out to the Portal Authority Station and contact them about getting coordinates to the other side. Okay. You radio the PAS, the Portal Authority Station, and you get a fairly prompt reply back that says, when you reach this marker here next to the portal or near the portal station, you will get in line with the rest of the trade traffic. And then it asks for some rough dimensions of your vessel and then the weight. This is information that you would have within the ship's computers and we just need to communicate with them. And then they ask for a complete bill of laden. So they're going to ask what you're carrying, who you're carrying. So you have to list in this essentially all members of the crew and then anything you're carrying on board. Like the speeder bike? Like anything you want to report. Oh, are you bringing any vegetables with you? You are an um, experienced smuggler, at least in, in some realms here and there. And so you would know that it's not uncommon for captains to omit things from their communications with the PAS. It's just that each one is a roll of the dice. If the communication or negotiations go badly, the PAS could dispatch a patrol boat to board the ship and give what is called a exact bill of lading. This usually means that you get charged way more because they had to come aboard the ship. And then anything that isn't well mentioned on the first one is definitely detailed in full on the second and the captain pays sort of the full price for it. So how descriptive do we have to be with our listing form? Can it be, just be land vehicle on the description? It is certainly a land vehicle. So I will include a list of the members of the crew and an additional item of normal personal belongings and then land vehicle. Land vehicle. You just you notate it down there, sort of chuckling even to yourself. Land vehicle. Certainly it's a land vehicle. That's what it is. Send it on over. You send it on over. You get pinged probably about five minutes later by the PAS that asked for a visual follow-up of my face they want to talk to the ship to you about what you've put here and details about your travel of course they do can't ever be easy do they just have regular old communication screens yeah so they have visual and auditory communication screens you have one right in front of you so you can either 
take it here at sort of the ship level for you where you sit, or you can broadcast it on the main screen here to everyone in the ship. I'll broadcast it everywhere so then everybody can see the see and hear the same things. Okay. That includes you, Fida, down in the ship's engineering section. Yep. There is a middle-aged man with a stout black beard that appears on your screen. He wears the traditional non-faction colored uniform of the PAS. It's a little bit of a farce to say that they're non-faction because they're essentially owned by the consortium. At least most of them are, especially the ones around Kua. Most of those guards pay up to consortium holders. They're sort of the people, them and the syndicate, that control the trade in and around Kua, which is why they get so much pushback from people like the folks in the Free League and, and some of the other more disparate groups because it isn't uncommon for them to simply just deny travel to certain vessels or hold them up. So that way food spoils. Captain Kazra. Yes? That is correct. This is the first time I'm seeing this vessel, I think, through our sensors. Well, this is her maiden voyage. Icons be with you on a maiden voyage. Why, thank you. Now, I see here you're traveling not too terribly far. Very well. Is there anything you wish to declare? No, we are on a archaeological mission for Leah Marhoon. Truly fascinating. Very well. Transport travel today and the time is about four hours until the next leap. So we'll put you into a rear holding pattern. He seems to be typing away at something here in front of him. You can hear the bleeps coming through the auditory intercom portion. Now, we'll just go ahead and assess any travel fees to the Adach credentials. Have a wonderful ride. Why, thank you. Do we get a notification of how much those fees are? Yeah, you do. You get one on your personal terminal that comes up here. So you get charged. Did you list all members of the crew? At least how many people were in the vessel? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's a thousand burr per person. It does include the return trip, which is nice. Just to add that to our growing debt. And then you get some navigational coordinates, which you will be able to pass to Icarus so that they can put you in the right position. Yep, I do send those on over to Icarus's console. Icarus, put us in the correct pattern. We're going to be waiting a while. Yes, sir. And she... Help me out here, storyteller. You said it's like a traditional yoke-style thing? It can be. So there is a yoke here, and that's usually for atmospheric controls or what would be used in, say, more vigorous navigational uses. So you could deploy the yoke if you wanted to operate the ship like a starfighter. I don't know if we need that kind of momentary maneuverability at this point, but how else would she do that? The simple navigational controls and pads in front of you would be easy enough. And you can even, in this ship it looks like, you can even politize some of them so you can bring them into the air to take your gesture movements into account. Okay, maybe she'll spend some of the next four hours playing with that. But for the moment, she holds her hands out over the sort of pads as they are on the console and 
types in what she needs to and manipulates her hands in whatever necessary pattern. She's starting to get the feel of the shape of the ship. When you're driving a car, it's different driving a sedan from a van because there's just different dimensions and sizes and a different weight quality to it. So it's going to take a little, little settling in. Yeah, for sure. Why do you make me an observation roll? That is one success. All you need. So over the time spent adjusting to the controls and moving the ship into position and sort of lining it up with many of the other trading vessels that are here, you, you began to notice when you were going with your right hand to a couple of the key placements. At first, you had to, you had to sort of get used to where that button is or used to where this handhold is. And you could feel your memory reflex starting to kick in, right? So you're teaching yourself where the control is without having to look for it. Because for you, that's super critical because you need to be able to pay attention to basically six things at once and have your hands keep moving where they need to be moving. The thing you pick up on as you're bringing the craft closer to alignment is these buttons are on the pads in front of you, they're moving to where your fingers expect them to be rather than staying stationary. And you can almost see that the buttons that you are not using as much are almost fading into the background of the pad so that they become less pronounced. Well, that's that's really cool. Is it like a digital display that's like a touch screen or are they like physical keys? No, it's a touch screen. Touch screen makes a lot more sense. Okay. So she whistles appreciatively and, you know, gets this in position. Okay. So there's about a four hour delay between the current time and the time for jump. So for those of you who have been on ships that have traversed the third horizon, which is likely most of you at this point, you would know that there's going to be a wind down portion. And also you're going to have to figure out where the stasis hold on the ship is because you're going to have to get your pod prepared. Each one of them will be sort of physically aligned to rough overall body shape. And then also you're going to figure out how many there are. And that's something that Fida would probably already know, but It'd be on your list of things to to check off before you jump. Yeah, Fida has the ship's manual on a tablet. It is the only thing on that tablet. He has been going room by room, sector by sector, familiarizing himself with everything, making sure that the manual is correct because this ship has so many custom components that he's pretty sure at least a third of it is wrong, or at least was correct when the ship was new, is no longer correct now. Might be more accurate. Be spending those hours just being like, yep, I've got the specs on the pods. This is how they work. This is how you set the thingamajig. Mm -hmm. And he will use the term thingamajig because it is the technical term. That's right. And he doesn't care about putting people off with his uh, jargon. But yeah, he's very just by the book. Okay, bam, bam, bam. This is what needs to be done. You're preparing pods and, and probably getting the ship prepared to make a leap through a portal. Correct. There is likely a a scholarly person sitting in the med bay still, still aligning the ship's library and all of the data information that exists in there. So kind of what are you planning to do before your leap? 
Oh, well, I've pretty much gotten everything set up and we have individual quarters, right? Yes, you do. Okay. I'm going to go store all of my more personal belongings into my quarters and then just get ready for jump. Okay. Tamarisk? I also get my quarters set up, but then I spend some time meditating in the Arboretum, mostly because my brain is racing and there's a lot of things going on and it's very exciting and I need to be calmer. Certainly. During your meditation time there, you realize that the ship has an overhead intercom in here that plays what you think is, or what it thinks is, natural sounds to help fill in the empty spaces in the Arboretum. Because there are no animals in here, at least that you know of, but it, it is helping to fill in the space with either the sound of air movement or insects. There might even be, is that music? Yeah, it's it's here. There's there's extras here that you're not familiar with. Despite Tamara's best attempts at meditating, they keep getting distracted by the sounds, by the music, trying to figure out if the sounds are actual sounds that have been recorded or just an AI's attempts at reproducing them. And, oh, what kind of music is that? And then they go back to meditating and then they get distracted again. Yeah, that does seem to happen for probably a good 30 minutes. Like it takes you terribly long to try to find a center and then every time it does it seems like the sounds in here adjust and it's just it's off rhythm for you get there eventually maybe you get there it does take a little longer than you were expecting maybe you're just needing to adjust to this new element hey chris what about you well she spends some time setting up the sort of pilot console for herself, like making sure the chair and the mirrors are all where they need to be, that sort of analog, yeah, that the pads are keyed to her hands correctly. And she's impressed with the natural customization that's occurring. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't have any formal training. So she's just kind of poking around as much as possible because that's how she does it, a manual She's never had to learn for one before. Let's put it that way. She's never had one to learn from before. That's probably a good way to put it, yeah. So it's just you and the captain on the bridge at this point. The ship's speakers turn on. Like you can hear the electronic click. It's something that both of you would probably be very, very keen on. It happens anytime there's a communication, an inbound communication, but that's weird. It's sort of off-putting in the moment just in this moment for you, Amara, because you didn't get a hail, you didn't get any sort of inbound communication. And through the speakers, you hear the same voice when you took off say, are we preparing to leave the system? Yes, thank you. Are you the uh, ship's AI? I'm an assistant of sorts, yes. Great. We're getting ready to head out. Icarus... And Rosie, going to be honest, honestly don't know what they would need to tell an AI. So unless Amara stops her, she's going to be fairly conversational with it. Hi, look over at Icarus. Computer, do you have a name? Certainly. Which one would you like? Which do you prefer to go by? Rockham. Rockham. And how do you spell that? It comes up on your communication pads. Rakam, 
What is your primary purpose for the ship? I'm an assistant. I'm here to assist the ship in its form and function. What can you tell us about the AWAS system? There's a brief pause. The AWAS system is an increasingly important trading hub. It straddles portal routes between Kua and the Zalos and Mira systems, as well as the gateway to the Sandal route. The newly formed trade cluster on the third planet, Trini, has become ever more important, despite its rough and lawless reputation. And will we need to stop on a, on a planet after we get into the AWAS system? I don't believe so. The ship's fuels show 99.8% full. Fantastic. Icarus, do you have any questions for our new friend? No, but I, I imagine I'll be working with you a fair amount. So if you have questions for me, let me let me know. I've taken the liberty of adjusting some of the navigational pads for your arm length and finger length. I noticed. Thank you. It's very helpful. Are there any other settings that you would recommend I adjust? Yes, I would recommend you adjust the chair height about four centimeters. She does so and like stretches out her legs a little bit and was like, thank you, Rakham, that 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 is more comfortable. In an emergency, I have the ability to double as a ship systems. The ship is well equipped. And so if you need assistance in operating the sensors, in flying the ship if necessary, or activating any of its weaponry, please advise. Will do. Thank you. I just kind of smirk at Icarus. You've never uh, had the pleasure of having an AI before? Me? Well, this is the biggest ship I've ever flown. I am very good at what I do, but I haven't left Kua all that often. The Third Horizon is very vast, so my databanks tell me. Captain, I do have one inquiry for you. And that is? Would it be possible if the ship's engineer could stop retrofitting the engineering bay? I called on engineering. Fida. Yep. Our ship's AI, Rakam, would ask that you stop messing with the ship. A couple of things for you really quick, John. First of all, there are no notes anywhere on anything you have that there is a on any sort of AI in the ship at all. Yeah, there. I have found nothing indicating that there is. No, and, and there would be, you know, there would be a large, a large amount of information if there was a advanced intelligence on the ship. It would be all over all the paperwork you have. It would be, there'd be an entire guide on how to interact with it. There'd be a separate book for all the different ways the AI can integrate with your ship systems. Yes. How you as a user should let it do its job. Right. None of that is present. He's just been like reorganizing just the layout of some of the terminals. He's taken the data feeds from one into another and switched them around. And he's just like, negative. I am improving the engineering area, which is uh, my remit. So, no. That seems a little rude. What I'm doing doesn't pertain to the ship's AI. The ship's AI seems to disagree. Another pause and he's just like, yeah, but fuck it. It's just a computer. What does it know? I'm doing a better job. 
Well, I'll let you have that conversation with our new friend that could probably crash and burn us into a planet if they don't like what we're doing. Oh, see, that's why you shouldn't have one. Also, there's no mention in the manual of an AI. Are you sure that we have one? Are you sure you don't have like a little, I don't know, someone playing a prank on you? Well, it, Rakam has been... You've given it a name. Yes, yes. It gave us a name that it... Uh, do you have pronouns? Mm, any. They like to be called Rakam, and they seem to have access to piloting systems, adjusting things for me. Do you want me to take that out? I can do that. I can cut the wires. No, no, because if we end up in a situation where things get a little hot, it might not hurt to have an extra set of hands at the controls. Mm -hmm. Hey, remember what the captain said about flying us into a sun? Well, then we should be nice to it. Oh, yes, we should let a let a little computer hold us all hostage. Because if you try to fly me into the sun, I could shoot you. Whereas if a ship tries to fly me into the sun, I have to go and try and find where it is in the ship and then break it. You're saying that I should let myself be held hostage in that scenario. Also, it's not the ship. The ship is a different thing. Look, I am the engineering officer. Engineering is my business. The ship's AI is not the ship. I don't give a damn what it says about the conditions in my sector. So, yes. Signing off. Okay, then. Sorry, Rakam. That didn't go as well as I thought it might. All right. Rakam's not going anywhere. Take a beat, folks. I am now going through the plans to try and figure out where the fuck this AI is based in my goddamn ship. I will find its data center. I think that's an excellent idea. So, I think it's likely... (laughs) It's probably a data general to find a way to get into the ship systems that would reveal such a thing. Now, I don't have data gen as a skill, which is a bit of an issue because that's one of the specialized ones. I'll give you wit technology on it at the very least to figure out where it likely might be. But as far as dealing with it, you'd have to have someone hack the ship to remove it. I'm mostly annoyed because this wasn't in the manual and I've seen nothing that indicates it that it should be here two successes yeah so a couple of things i guess one success is enough to get you the idea that it's it's in the centralized data core but it looks like it is also at least you find traces of its coding in every single subsystem that's here so it exists in sensors it exists in the fire control gunnery station it exists in the navigational system there's all sorts of places that this thing sits at yeah this thing's got it's tendrils in everything yes and he's just like oh god there's no way to remove it without like completely re- reinstalling the software oh oh this is why mechanical analog systems are so much better yeah and he spends like a lot of time doing that i, I don't think that's something that's going to be easy to do if it's not labeled in a drawing yeah no it's not there's a little um screen that appears on your navigational pad icarus and a sort of digitized face shows up there. It's more like a wireframe drawing than it is a fully realized 3D model. But you hear and see the the mouth move in time with the sound. I'm certainly capable of being friendly with everyone on the ship. The engineer included. That's really good to know. Thank you, Rakam. Who installed you? Oh, 
That's classified. Okay. You don't seem like the sort of system that would be part of a blockade runner? No. I can share with you that I woke up in the ship as you see and understand it now. I was uh, deployed as a specialized tool. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm sorry that our engineer, Fida, isn't thrilled, but I'm sure he'll come around. Hmm. It didn't sound like it with the tone. Well, we'll deal with it when we get there. Captain Kazra seems to have everything in order. Yes. I'm certain that the first journey will be auspicious. With the Icon's blessing, always. Speaking of the Icon's blessing, as befits most journeys, there is usually a time for preparation prayer before one would get into a stasis hold. The ship gets put on autopilot from a navigational perspective after you align with the rest of the vessels going through the portal. And it is essentially led through that by the PAS as the portal is activated because all of you have to be in a stasis hold and essentially in suspended animation because bad things can potentially happen if you're awake. And so we'll just go through back through our introductory order. And as you prepare to get into the stasis hold, Captain Kazra, what are, what are you, how is your prep done? You've sort of already spoke to the icons today for a blessing. And so that is something that you might be willing to just sort of recommit to momentarily before you get into the pod. But is there anything you're doing specifically before going into stasis? I will go to my quarters and I will put on a white t-shirt and take off the duster. I'm not wearing that into stasis. Are we required to go barefoot or anything in the stasis, I guess? Or can we just wear, you just plop in wearing whatever? I don't necessarily want to make a direct ruling on it. I think of stasis as a medical thing. And so I, I don't think there would be any issue with you wearing shoes in. But but if, if somebody else has a stronger argument and thinks that, you know, we should do more of a a la aliens feel where you're basically in your scrubs when you get in. I like that, too, because it some sort of seems to fit the description of how stasis works. Yep, so I would slip on something more comfortable for the bottoms and have a, a tank top or a white t-shirt for a top. I will make sure that my my dagger is still at my side because I'm going to take that into stasis with me, at least for the first couple times. Okay. How does Vida prepare for this, John? Vida has just finished up the last of his pre-flight, you know, his pre-jump checks. He's now going to do a short stop-off in the chapel People have this idea that people who have the gambler as their icon love risks, love, love risks. Whereas Fida did that when he was young and didn't get him anything good. So now he has become a real believer in making your own luck wherever possible. Yeah, so he stops and does his prayer to all of them. And he's just going to ask for a safe journey for all of their guidance and please let nothing break the end of it he's just got a little bit for the gambler where he's just like and gambler please do not choose to fuck with me which is actually the prayer he's been doing more or less every day for the last 10 years dear icons please do not fuck with me today 
I like the idea of sort of a adversarial relationship between an engineer and all of the icons. Don't you mess with me today. I got stuff to do. Look, if you've ever done a job where you've got to do maintenance, it can feel that way. <laughs> but yeah, he's just going to be like, look, I give you a prayer and an offering. I've lit some incense for you. Please do not frown on us. Please, please, please do not mess with us for your own amusement. <laughs> After that, yeah, he's going to change into the white t-shirt and loose-fitting shorts that all folks get our standard issue for for sleepy times in the, in the sleepy tube. I like the idea that standard issue for Fida is probably a little bit of a stretch just because he's such an enormous man. And so there's some real 70s feel going on there. But yeah, it, would, it is standard. One size fits most. He's just like, right, that's all that. He's stowed away all his gear. Everything's tied down or in a drawer or in a cupboard. Good enough. So Tamarisk, how do you approach something like Stasis? You've probably traveled around the Third Horizon going to some of the more popular locations, but this might be a path that you've not traveled. So how do they prepare for something like this? First, say, say a second little prayer to the messenger and leave a rolled prayer in a basket in front of the, the icon for a longer sort of blessing instead of burning it. And they have to, I think, ask someone what the procedure is because they're not really 100% certain how this works, but they get changed into the shorts and t-shirt. They look very out of place in this outfit, but they also look slightly excited by the whole prospect of everything. Okay. Yeah, you make your way down to the stasis hold. There are six compartments here in sort of a three-on-three open seashell sort of configuration and they each can open individually or they can open as a set. So Kainat, when you get prepared, how do you prepare in, I guess I would ask, how does it differ from probably most everyone here as, as travel amongst the stars and through the portals for someone of the order? You're one of the earliest factions to have ever really traveled the stars. So being someone who follows the traveler and being raised in a community that is highly religious, I pray every day and I need to be able, at least to some extent, either see like the sky on a planet or be able to look out of a window while on a ship during prayer. And the easiest way for me to pray is to wrap a heavy rope that's been knotted around my hand and upper forearm so I can look out the window and mutter one of two prayers. And in this particular situation, I will say quietly, Traveler, Star Singer, please give me the wisdom and hear your song to give me the anchor of reality. That's pleasant. It's, a, it's an interesting connection too, given what the Order would have learned about traveling the portals without cryosleep. You definitely need something to anchor yourself. Climb into the pod. And what I'm wearing in the pod is not what everyone else is wearing. It is all white, but I remain fully clothed with long sleeves, long pants. I am barefoot, but it's extremely loose fabric, so I can kind of fold it in and still be incredibly comfortable. 
You look like an enormous burrito. Very good. I like that. It's, it's different though, right? So you sort of fold the fabric in and get ready for it to close. There's, there's basically full open, there's half closed and full closed. And then so I would ask Rosie for, for Icarus, how does Icarus approach getting in? Well, when she leaves the piloting console, she says uh, good night to Rakam and then heads away to get into the pajamas that everyone else seems to be getting into. This is new for her as well. You are aligned and prepared to move in with basically a rough version of what autopilot is to, to go through. So you give all of the navigational controls over to the PAS and they essentially tell each vehicle where to go and when. So she changes into her PJs and says a prayer to the icon she prefers, which is the aspect of the Lady of Tears, known as the Lady of Tar. So she takes out the lighter that she carries, flicks it on, and silently asks that we all wake up at the end of this travel with warm blood in our veins and the fire of our souls intact, closes the lighter, and heads off to the stasis pods, or at least where everyone else is going, because she assumes that's as fair a way to figure it out. Yep. Yeah, the stasis room now is filled with the crew. And as each one of you align in the stasis pods, the clamshell moves to the 50% position. And you can see all these intricate designs that have been woven and crafted into the side walls here. And so it really does feel like you are traveling to a different location because the lighting in the room has changed. And I guess the only thing that might be a little bit, that might draw some trepidation maybe from Icarus is the coloring and the styles in here does seem to be like an underwater scene. And so maybe that's not super great, but it's not actually water. You just sort of have to convince yourself that it's not actually water. She definitely thinks it's not a good omen, but you know, that's okay. Hopefully the Lady of Tar will be merciful as always. The stasis hold begins to close. As it does so, Rokan's voice comes from overhead and says, I'll see you on the other side. In a pleasant, benevolent voice, the pods shut. And there's that echo of Rakan's voice in the pod. It sort of digitizes a little bit. The pitch changes. And then the lights go out for everyone. Since we have someone who whose icons are the gambler with the crew, we're going to flip a coin and see how well the travel goes. It's not my fault. It's the it's the gambler's fault. I didn't ask for this. I literally asked him not to fuck with me. So I'll ask you, John the player, heads or tails? Oh, heads. I have rolled heads. Sometimes things look your way. It's good. The travel is, for you all, roughly instantaneous. There are a few breaths between when the pod shuts and when you sort of mentally align yourself with being in the pod. Some of you, that takes maybe a few more moments than others. But then there is a physical 
vibration that goes through the hall. And after that, you hear a venting sound and the pod opens. You feel like you took a nap, but you only closed your eyes for a minute. I stretch and get out of the uh, stasis pod. Okay. You stretch. It feels good to stretch. It does feel like you were in there for longer than you remember. Rakam, are you there? I'm here, Captain. What's our location presently? We are just past the PAS gate in the AWAS system. AWAS A, to be precise, about 0.25 AUs from the gate side. I'm getting conversational chatter from several of the trading ships here, and we'll need to move the vessel in the very near future. If you'd like, I can utilize our navigational thrusters to make sure we're not in the way. Yes, Rakam, if you could uh, just sort of keep us from hitting anything while I put on some more clothes, I'll be with you shortly. Certainly. Uh, You feel the ship under your feet move a little bit. There are, you know, gravitic dampers here that keep things from floating away, and they sort of help keep you intact on the deck. That said, they are not as exact of a science as you wish they were. The graviton projector has to spin back up basically after you go through the portal. And so those first few minutes before it spins back up, you're sort of waiting for that to take hold. And so those first steps after portaling are a little exaggerated. And so when you go to go get your clothes, Icarus, you leap accidentally out of the pod and you sort of not fly, but you're a little lighter than air for probably a good 30 seconds or so. She goes, wah! And tries to sort of catch herself on something or at least make sure that she lands on her feet. She might not. No idea. Yeah, you land on your feet. It doesn't completely rip gravity away. It's taken a little while for the graviton to, to, to get back going. She glares behind her at like sort of where she had that exaggerated step. Like it's the floor's fault. Well, totally. A hundred percent. Okay. What's everybody else doing? Getting back into positions? Quickly shuffling back to my quarters, getting my gear back on, then hustling down to the engine bay to make sure everything's spun up safely and properly. Okay. Getting dressed first, properly, and then going up to the bridge. This is something that especially Tamarisk would be prepared for, is that as usually on the other side, if you have to deal with any sort of faction relations, this is when you're going to get called on to be a negotiator, mediator, spokesperson that sort of thing, or possibly given your talents gunner, just depending upon how the negotiations go. Have to be prepared, even right out of stasis. Yep. So some of the more spacefaring folks here would know this. It's not uncommon for ships to be targeted at PSA docking points because basically you're sort of sitting ducks in that regard. Most ships go into navigational holding patterns going in, And most of them, the navigational systems as they come out are sort of in that holding pattern, slightly moving forward or on the current trajectory. So that's something to think about. You're getting ready is super important. Icarus getting back to controls is important too, because if someone's going to do something stupid, now is when they would do it. Would you recommend then that Icarus just hoofs it back to her station before getting dressed and gets dressed later? 
I mean, that is, I'll leave that for the player to decide. I like the idea that Icarus is so excited to get to the controls and get into open space that she may just say, I'm, I'm wearing enough clothes. I'm not going to be, I mean, I'm not going anywhere. Just get me to the, the controls. It's just me and my crew, or essentially my family, for the next however long we're all together. So you're right. You're right. She starts walking towards her quarters and then thinks about it for a half second and then just sort of sprints past them. And she's got a little smile on her face that gets bigger as she gets to the pilot's chair and she sits down and says, Okay, good morning, Rekom. I am here. What have we got? Excellent. Three, inbound aft. Four, starboard. Like, your your screen pops up and you see all of these different ships moving at the same time. And you realize that the periphery now has to move. Oh, wow. Okay, here we go. And her hands immediately open. Her posture opens up and improves. This is her zone. She gets in the zone and... She flies, because this is what Icarus does. That's agility pilot. So, Captain, heading to get clothes or heading to the bridge? I will grab the robe I brought next to me. It's a, you know, a silk robe. You know, something to wear around the ship, because this is not my first rodeo. I will go up to the bridge, and when I answer, I'll ask Icarus, what do we got? For the storyteller, I've got three successes. Hmm. That's a critical pilot role. So what I will do on your critical pilot role is I will say that you get to learn about some of the more exciting portions of the ship. It's highly maneuverable. It's something that you can tell the other ships react to as it moves through the space. It's not a freighter anymore. It's not a blockade runner. It's something of a mix. And you can hear the common air chatter in the area from other ships who are noticing you fly by using essentially other ships as cover to move through traffic. So the piloting is exceptional. The crew gets the benefit that there isn't there aren't any penalties for them moving about the ship at such a high rate of speed. So nice work. Well, uh Captain, we've got some traffic that we're working our way through and Rakam is very light on their feet. That is great. It's always good to know that we don't crash when we come out of stasis. Yes, Captain. So we're we're good here for the moment. Steady as as they go, Icarus. I'm going to go put clothes on. More clothes. Yeah, the crew gets their arms around their own clothing and lives as they need. Realistically, like the portal that you take here, you're not terribly far from that planet that the ship's AI brought up. So Trini is fairly close. It's 0.7 AU from the major sun here. So you can see it visually on your maps coming up. For the player's benefit, you would know, Icarus, that you have to fly to the other side of it to get to the portal that will lead to basically the, the Sandal trade route. Coming up on your screens are the information for Trini, right? So breathable atmosphere. It's an arid and temperate environment. It doesn't currently have anything in orbit, but there is a trade cluster rated spaceport. So not as big and bold as, you know, Coriolis Station, obviously, but 
if you or other ships were damaged and needed repairs or modifications, you could clearly get them here. Looks like a big yellow banded marble in space. She buzzes, calms. She wants to talk to Fida, wherever Fida is on the ship. Anything break? Do we need to stop for repairs? Mm, no. Everything seems to be holding up pretty well. We might want some spare parts at some point, but not right now. Okay, then. Navigating around to the next gate. Unless anyone else needs something? She opens up comms to the rest of the ship and says, Does anyone need a pit stop? All good. Not at this time. Thank you. Captain? Thanks for asking, Icarus. Let's just move along. Okay. Okay. You move along. You chart a course. Navigationally, that's not very difficult for you. It doesn't have to be exact, but you sort of have to aim to go around the planet. The easiest way to do that is to get close enough, not orbit close, but close enough to be able to make it as straight a line as possible. You also know that it will involve another jump. What you don't know is what's on the other side of that jump. And so it might be good to know where you're going next. Icarus is still sitting at the controls in her PJs, because if they're going to make another jump, she's realized, why bother getting changed? And so she is waiting for Kasra to come back to her post. If she doesn't, by the time she can, Icarus can see the gate, she will open comms and ask where they're going. I don't know, what's, what's next on this, this magical mystery tour? That's a great question. So the planet Irai is the next jump. That is a significantly longer jump, time-wise, because time does still flow a little bit there. And you're also going to be entering the Sandal route. So that's a trade route, which has about seven planets total. It also is home to a couple of relatively challenging excursions. So for you, Captain, I'm going to ask for a cultures roll. That'll help me decide what you know about it. So empathy culture, if you would. I got one success. You know a couple of things. You know that there are some challenges when it comes to the Sandal trade route. One of them is going to be Sandal itself. So it's inhabited by a group of first-come people who have taken their version of the Icon Faith to, we would just say, some extreme levels. They have a very specific way of doing things. So when you get to ARI, you're going to have two choices. It's basically a fork in your travels. You could choose to go along one path, which would lead you to what some call an unstable portal. So unstable portals don't always line up time-wise or space-wise, and they can be a little tricky to navigate through. The other one, the other route, would lead you to Sandal itself, and you would have to deal with a potentially very political and religious situation depending upon who you interact with. You could potentially be in a very difficult situation. The flip side, of course, with an unstable portal is it's just dangerous. It's just dangerous all the time. And if things go wrong, things go really wrong. So the captain will have to make a decision about which one they want to tangle with. Well, I think we 
for now, should take the safer route and go to Sidal versus the unstable portal, which might obliterate us into a million pieces. I believe our courtesan can help us navigate the waters at Sidal. Oh, absolutely. It's what you have me here for. Mostly. Indeed. And massages. I mean, obviously. That costs extra. Well, I have burr. So I will look at the readouts and then knowing what I know about the area, the areas, we're going to jump from Awaz to Arai to Sidal. Correct? Icarus, can you head us toward the jump point for Arai? Affirmative. Here we go. And then while you're doing that, can you and Rakam calculate some probabilities of what the likelihood is we would be blown up if we jumped from Arai to Zaban? Sure, Rakam, what do you think? And Icarus does pull up like a blank screen and start doing some calculations, but I feel like the majority of it happens in her head and more by feel than exact mathematics. I think that's probably true. Rakam answers back that travel to Zaban is not recommended. Captain, we don't think we should do that. Nope, we should go the safer of those two roads if possible. Not to mention the mine cult. The what? Saban is well known for mind cults. Cults of reportedly telepathic people who choose to glean knowledge and information by extrasensory perception. Forced extrasensory perception. Oh, does that does that require like eye contact or are we not safe from that on the ship? I'm not familiar, unfortunately, with the nuances, but they have a saying, we have ways of making you think. And so I would recommend staying away from Zaban. Yeah, I will redouble that recommendation to our captain. Thank you, Rakam. So, uh, Captain, I, I do think that we should head towards Sadal rather than the other one. Please, I don't want to die. Those were my thoughts anyways. I just wanted to get your yours and Rakam's thoughts on going the other way. I had a feeling that they were going to say to go to Sidal. Please set a course for the ERI system. Setting a course now. And Icarus plugs in necessary information. Her palms whiz over necessary keys and pads. And she treats Rakam like a co-pilot almost Mm -hmm. that doesn't need to be asleep while they do this. It's a bit of a comfort to know that someone else is there for while she's unconscious. Yeah, Rakam works very well with you sort of naturally, it seems. They complement your navigational style with adjustments of their own and it becomes just to the trip on the other side of the planet becomes very easy to see that the two of you seem to meld pretty well a message comes up on your centralized navigational pad that says whenever you want to 
head to the stasis hold. I'll have things here. Then she will ping the captain, let her know that the ship and Rakam have their directions, and Icarus is going to head down to the stasis pods for the next jump. So in relatively short order, the group is back again in the stasis hold. You can see that the clamshell here does have some residue that gets left over after each of these jumps. You have to be put in stasis and there is a there is some sort of chemical or some sort of materia that's placed in here to hold you essentially frozen for those moments. And getting back in so quickly, you realize that there is something of you left behind in these pods. There is an after image, an echo here in the frozen material as the stasis pods are preparing for you to go again. These body outlines, which is somewhat interesting, especially for Kynot, who is wrapped so very carefully in all of the different folds and fabrics. And for you, Kynot, what you see is wings wrapped around like a bat or a mythological dragon. That's sort of the shape that you end up making. That's pretty spectacular. Completely you were unaware that you would leave that sort of shape. Yeah. Fida, you look like a basketball player from the 70s. Yep. I think that jump that you'll take is a perfect opportunity for us to close this episode down. So thank you all, listeners and players, for joining us for another episode of Children of the Periphery, the Old Ways Podcast's Coriolis Chronicle. When we rejoin again, we will be in another new location with challenges ahead for this crew. Thank you and good night.